It seems like every creator on YouTube right now has a talk show with a shiny new set. A brand new renovated studio. We've cut this space. We've got the acoustic wall behind us with the logo on it. This is more elaborate than like Seth Meyers. You have like a full blown. <laughs> when you first asked me, I thought we were doing a Zoom. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about why talk shows have invaded the YouTube platform and what creators can learn from it. Yes, we have a talk show, but we don't really have a shiny set. It's kind of just not yet in the middle of our, we're working on it. And today specifically, we're going to be talking about Dixie D'Amelio's show, the early late show. Here's your host, Dixie D'Amelio. Dixie's talk show was actually one of the main stories in our creator economy newsletter last week, which is called the published press and which is available now for you to get free in your inbox every Tuesday and Friday. Our goal is to give you the top three stories twice a week and give you our perspective on them. So if you're a creator or someone in the industry, we're going to tell you what the top stories are, but then also tell you why they matter from our perspective. So before we get into this episode, go ahead into the description, click the link, put your email in and check out the published press. If you like this show and the topics we cover here, if you're interested in the creator economy, I definitely think you'll like the published press. And Colin. What? It's May. Should we give away $1,000? To a random subscriber? You can just do that like that on is, the spot? Is that crazy? I haven't run this by you. I'm being honest. I really haven't yeah, run no, this I by know. Yeah, no. I haven't run this by Colin. Um, okay, cool. So make sure to like <laughs> this video and subscribe to the channel. This month, we'll pick a random subscriber and give you $1,000. Last month, we did it too. We'll just keep it going. Sure. Colin, roll the intro. Welcome everyone to the audio only section. This is an exciting audio only section. This is a crazy week, by the way. We released an NFT, which was wild. We're currently decentralized. We're fully on the blockchain. We are announcing in this episode our latest venture, which is the Publish Press, a newsletter, which you heard about at the top of the show. And I'm sure you've been hearing about throughout the show. But just to be clear, like we should talk a little bit about why we're doing a newsletter and a little bit of the process of getting here. Part of the reason of doing the newsletter has to do with just getting more education about creators and the creator economy into the world. We're only able to make one show a week on YouTube right now, but we have discussions all week about other topics. We have different takes and perspectives and the newsletter is a way to get them out multiple times a week. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're covering one story a week on YouTube. We're covering six stories a week in your inbox now. And I think that's really cool. It offers us this opportunity to scale our perspective into writing. And that's, that's a, that was a huge goal of ours coming into this year was how can we scale the conversation? How can we start more conversation? How can we get more education out to creators? And I actually think that news and perspective, massive way to educate people because a lot of times we hear about what's happening in the space, but we don't know what that implication is on our career. Totally. And, and there's another facet to it. The fact that you have uh, your community directly attainable through email. So we have 259,000 subscribers on YouTube, but when we press publish, we don't get to reach all 259,000, right? That's a good point. There's a barrier there that uh, the YouTube algorithm, how we title and thumbnail, decides who gets to watch our video. Right. But with a newsletter, as we start building that community, if people like it and they don't unsubscribe, obviously, which is the goal, then yeah, you can hit your entire community with a single email which yeah. is just great for community building and actually getting your information out into the world. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, it's been a real process to get here because I think, you know, my first thought around newsletter when we were talking about it last December was like, okay, we're writing scripts. Like we could probably just convert some of our writing into newsletter. Wrong, 
at least the way we're looking at it, we are incredibly obsessive over storytelling or super obsessive over product and anything that we put out into the world. And so since January, we've really been developing, like, what does this look and feel like? Um, what's the value prop? Who's the audience? What do they do when they receive it? What's like the emotion we want them to feel? So it's been, it's been this long process and we actually built a team around it because one of the most important things in a creator business like ours is that Colin and I have to focus on making content. Uh, we have to focus on all the different content products with the newsletter being one of them, but we can't write two newsletters a week right now. We can provide our perspective, our take, we can be the editors in chief, but you know, we have to scale a team. So we have a manager of the newsletter, we have a curator, we have two writers, mm -hmm. and we basically for the last month or so have been acting as if it's real time and this is going to go out to thousands of people. So even though it's just going out to our internal team of 12, we're treating it, you know, the night before, like there's a hard deadline because once this goes live, which is now <laughs> it's live. Yeah. We have to make sure that our process for making two newsletters a week is dialed. Yeah. So the one thing that we agreed on was process first, we have to get the process down first, then we can make the creative better then we can figure out monetization. So I would suggest that to anyone looking to make content. You know, even this show that you're listening to right now, this came out of us recognizing that the process of making an audio show and the process of making a video podcast was a process we could commit to. And we tested it on our second channel before mm -hmm. we brought it over here to our main channel. So stress testing process and content is something that a lot of people, I, I don't think think about because we didn't think about it for years. We were like, no, you just make whatever and it, you just make it in whatever time you need to make it in. We never started with process. We no, always started with, with the idea yeah. and what we wanted the video to be. So you start to realize that starting with process is so important being like, can we make a newsletter twice a week with three stories with good takes every Tuesday and Friday at 9 a.m.? And that was the question we had to answer. And I think we're close, you know? It's still been a challenge. It's still been really intense to get there, but I have enough faith in it now that I'm like, let's launch. Now let's get feedback because yeah. the process is getting there. Let's get the creative there with feedback and then we'll figure out how this turns into a bigger business. We've been scrutinizing every newsletter and, and every part of the process, but we're definitely at the point where we need to let other people see it. Yeah. And all of you in the community can start to give us feedback because we can tell each other what's wrong with it, what's right with it. Yep. But we need another sounding board. Yeah. I mean, look, we can get pretty intense when we're looking at content. And um, that is why, Colin, you and I are judges of this year's Roadcast competition. Which is super exciting because Rode, the microphones- You're listening to us on. Yep. <laughs> uh, they, they've totally changed how we're able to create content. So Rode reached out and asked us if we would be judges for their My Roadcast competition in 2021. And obviously we said, yes, Rode has very much helped our business, very much helped our creative. They've also just been awesome. Like whenever we need things, they're super collaborative. But My Roadcast is the world's largest podcasting competition. So there's over a hundred prizes on the line, by the way. There's going to be one winner of this podcast competition. There's going to be six runners up. There's going to be one People's Choice Award and a hundred highly commended podcasts out of this. So entering is super easy. All you have to do is record a one to two minute episode, upload it to Anchor, and then submit it to myroadcast.com. That is super easy, by the way. Anchor is a very easy tool. And also one to two minutes, make your pitch concise. Because again, Colin and I, pretty aggressive judges. So you can enter now and learn more at myroadcast.com. That's www.myrodecast.com. 
Com. Did I have to spell that out? Probably yes, you not. did. I did. Yeah. Okay, so it's myroadcast.com. That's my road, R-O-D-E, cast.com. Really looking forward to listening to these pitches. So the entries are open now, and they close June 23rd. So you got some time. Yeah. So think about your podcast. What do you want to make, you know? Yeah, tweet us if you need help workshopping it. Maybe we'll send a tweet back, you know, give you a little guidance. Yeah, because... Are we allowed to do that? You know, I don't want to... I don't think so. Okay, I think that mind. might be insider trading All right, never mind. or something or insider yeah. judging. Well, you can pitch us and maybe we'll send an emoji back and you can interpret it. You can interpret it however you want. However but you want. I, I got to say, if you are an aspiring creator, it's the same thing we were just talking about with the newsletter. Get feedback on your stuff. And this is a great opportunity to actually win gear too. Like you can actually get your podcast set up. You can get it heard from us and the other awesome judges for My Roadcast. So go to myroadcast.com, learn more about it. And I would urge you to submit. If you've ever thought about making a podcast, this is a great opportunity to be like, hey, you have until June 23rd, get your stuff together, make a podcast. Fitting, awesome, because this whole episode is about talk shows and podcasts. So why don't we get into it, Colin? Let's get into it. So like a lot of TikTok creators, Dixie D'Amelio has made the jump to YouTube. And the format that she's chosen, that she's landed on, is basically late night. August 2020, she starts this show basically as a joke. Mm Mm-hmm with just friends of hers in her family home. Introducing the one and only Dixie D'Amelio. Hi! We're gonna ask some tough questions okay. that the fans wanna know. But the amazing thing is that her early guests are huge social media stars. Yeah, massive. Her first couple episodes, you're talking about 20 million views, 15 million views. Like she's caught up in drama at this time too, going through a breakup, dating someone new. Like, I mean, it's like- Sounds like you were caught up in drama. Oh. Were you not watching the show? <laughs> I was I mean, following you, little bit, but. Okay, all right. I guess yeah. uh, I'm the only Dixie stan here, but sure. Whoa. I watched all of her show. I, I haven't watched all of them. Okay. The first time I came across this show was when Little Huddy was on. Oh, so old school, season one. Yeah, and they've got the whole family there. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. my main thought was, this is a little awkward. Sure. You were a very requested guest. Oh. A lot of people wanted you. Was I? but i think that was part of the vibe yeah no i i enjoyed that it was awkward yeah but there was only so much awkwardness i could handle even though it was awkward i liked how underproduced it was yeah i give her a lot of credit for starting that way sorry guys we only have two mics because we're still on a low budget but that's why the sound is changing i'm gonna start off with an easy one because that's important i think in terms of showing who you really are being a little bit more raw and authentic that pays off on youtube Whereas a lot of TikTok creators came in hot from the start with serious production companies. I mean, Addison Rae, her video with Kourtney Kardashian feels like it's straight from Vogue. I'm about to head to Kourtney Kardashian's house and live a day in her life. All right, guys, safety first. See you guys later. I agree with that. I think like being more lo-fi allows you to actually build up to why we were so shocked to see that season two was in this Crazy set. This is my talk show, The Early Late Night Show, and welcome to season two. I know I've been gone for a while, but I am back and ready to keep going. We have crazy things this season. I was shocked when I saw the opening of season two. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a full-blown Hollywood production. That's what it looked like. With a Hollywood TV production company, hair and makeup, and really high-profile guests. So if you see in the published press, the opening picture we use for this is her sitting next to Haley Bieber in an obviously like much more done up set. Her, her second guest was Dave Portnoy, which is, which is a pretty funny second guest. But even he said like, this is more elaborate than Seth Meyers, which is true. The set is like arguably one of the most elaborate sets on YouTube. This set is bananas. It's crazy. I mean, especially like we started in my living room and now we're doing this. Unbelievable. It made me feel a little jealous. Yeah, yeah, no, same. There's a lot of creators like, 
I mean, all creators now are getting these sets. Yeah. And if you don't know, like this table was, we found, it was getting thrown away. So our set is primarily just table and chairs that we, we found outside. You're saying our set is trash. <laughs> this is, I think that's what you just said. If you break that down. If you unpack Someone what I said. Someone was ready to throw this set away. If you unpack what I just said. You're saying that yes. this is, we are sitting on so top of garbage. Set. I'm so Yeah, thankful. I'm very thankful. Yeah, I'm very thankful for the set. Okay, yeah. But let's be one day we could. Happy we, for what we have. Haley Bieber's not coming in here, Colin. You that's don't know that. That's all I'm saying. Oh, right she's now. not coming in here because it's trash. Yes, because it's a trash set. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the show now is very serious. It airs every Sunday at 10 a.m. It's got an intro that sounds exactly like late night. Coming to you straight from the heart of Hollywood, California, welcome to the early late night show. And she's even said that her intention is to recreate and sort of modernize the late night show for a younger audience. One of her dream guests is Jimmy Fallon. She kind of takes a dig at him. It's definitely not for kids my age. They have some exciting segments, but like obviously a show that's doing four times better than him on YouTube might want to like chat. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. They made me do it. They made me do it, Jimmy. Yeah, she does. I mean, rightfully so though. She's, she's not wrong. She puts out one episode a week. Those episodes get around a million views or more. Jimmy Fallon clips out moments from his episodes and puts out around 40 a week, but some of those do like 15 to 20,000 views. Yeah, that's surprising. You know, obviously an aggregate Fallon's channel is doing more like by the numbers than Dixie's content, but it is interesting that the strategy that they take is just like put out everything, you know, something will hit. Um, it's not necessarily native to YouTube. Yeah, it's it's more like of a, a mix of a clips channel and a you know long form channel. But the thing that's interesting, Fallon, Corden, Myers, all these late night hosts, they are in a sense YouTube creators because the majority of their content is consumed on YouTube. I don't think any young kid is waiting until midnight to watch a late night show on television. No, you could just watch the clip on YouTube. It's it, it's the place where Hollywood and and YouTube intersect the most, actually, which is interesting. Is that they are almost one and the same. Like they play on the same level playing field on YouTube where they don't play on the same level level playing field is in the cost, really. It's an opportunity for you to prove, do you have content market fit? Like, are you making content that your audience wants to see? If so, then yes, invest more into it. If not, pivot and try something else. She's like a late night host in development. This is part of what YouTube is. We're watching someone get better in real time. Yeah, this new format for her is actually, it's, it's clearly less comfortable than when she was sitting at home, yeah. of course, but she'll grow into it. And that's the amazing thing about YouTube compared to Hollywood is that your audience actually wants to watch you evolve. They want to watch you get better. I mean, they just ended a little late with Lily Singh. So had they tested that on YouTube and then they could evaluate if audiences like it and then take it to television. So what we're going to answer now is why has this conversational format that was traditionally on late night taken over YouTube? So the, while I was watching the show, the one line that I, I that really stuck out to me, she's talking with Dave Portnoy about how busy she is. And Dave's asking her about how busy she is. And she goes, this is obviously fun, but we only do this two days a month. So it's going to be pretty easy. Now you start to understand that like as a creator with Dixie, she can come in, record two interviews on a day, right? So four interviews total across two days and have content for the whole month, which means four of these hero interview pieces with a big celebrity, plus clips that go out on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. That is a really sustainable strategy. And that is reason number one why this talk show style format has taken over YouTube. I also think the talk show format fights a bit against burnout. 
Oh, majorly. Majorly, right? Because yeah. it's like, I don't have to go do something crazy. I don't have to fly across the world. Like, I'm having conversation. That's it's, exactly why we're doing this. That's exactly why we did this. It's, it's why we're sitting down and having a, a talk show. It's because from a process perspective and a lifespan perspective, you always say that creators are kind of like athletes or like baseball pitchers. Like they only oh, yeah. have so many throws, right? Yeah. And they, they're going to, like, we're going to retire at some point. But this talk show format actually helps us fight against that because I'm sitting here being like, listen, Howard Stern's still doing this. Oh, I yeah. could probably still be doing it. This was a conscious decision yeah. for you and I because we knew 10, 15 years down the line, we could not make the types of videos we were making two years ago no. or even a year ago. From a career sustainability perspective, this format, talk show format, is the most sustainable. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I'd always say YouTubers are like Major League Baseball pitchers. They only have so many good throws before their arm is shot. Right. And then they're stuck with their left arm and they're like, I don't have any other skills with this arm. <laughs> right. And it's not as interesting to watch them pitch with their left arm. They can or barely even no do it. And it definitely them. can't sustain a career. Yeah. So I think the moment that you hit that point as a creator where your arm is shot, yeah. you're completely burnt out. You need to pivot almost 180 degrees mm -hmm. because your main skill set if you haven't diversified your business, mm -hmm. relies on a single thing that you no longer want to or really have the capacity to do. Right. The talk show solves that. Increased exposure over long periods of time. Clips that help you stay relevant across every platform. Leaning back, having a good time, just chatting. Why are you doing this? No big deal. Why are your hands up? I'm just saying like hands-free. Is this relaxed? I'm oh, hands-free. Like, okay. It's right. a hands-free lifestyle. I'm just lifestyle. copying what you're doing, but I agree. <laughs> We're just chilling. We're relaxed. You know? We're just chatting. Exactly. We're just chatting conversation as content. Now, this is something we talk about in the published press as well. We have a section called Talk is Cheap, where we go through how affordable it is to produce a talk show style show on YouTube. Well, let's just look at, you know, Dixie's first season of the early late show, 20 million views sitting in her house. That's pretty good. I mean, that I, I can tell you being a creator myself, like that does not cost that much. The cost at a lot of times, once you figure out your production is just time. It's the time spent, you know, prepping scripts and, and sitting and recording and then having, you know, someone book your guests, but you can figure that stuff out. And, and the thing is, as the talk show increases in viewership and as it gets more and more popular and there's a more, there's more depth uh, in the connection to the audience, the price of advertising on the show goes up. But the cost of making the show stays the same. Stays the same. So the same thing is like here, as our show, this show right here, the Colin and Smear show, like it's relatively fixed, the cost. We know how much time it takes us to prep a script. We know how much time it takes us to record, to edit. We're sitting on chairs that were found in the trash. That's true. You're right. But over time, as the viewership- <laughs> But they work. They work. And the reality is that it's the conversation that is the content. And so as long as we can figure out how to make our conversation engaging and how to make this talk show interesting, over time, this can be a pretty high margin product for us. And all of these shiny new sets that we're seeing from creators are really cool, but they're not necessary. Right. Dixie D'Amelio's set is clearly very expensive. I would argue, though, it'd be more interesting to watch her speak to Haley Bieber in her family home. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think we just have to take a look at the number two podcast, you know, on the charts, Call Her Daddy. That's like relatively lo-fi. And even when she records the video version, she's sitting on couches with mics, which I actually think places you in the room in this very comfortable way, again, to build depth, being like, oh, this isn't like overproduced. It's just kind of sitting down and enjoying a conversation. And like, I feel like I'm in the room. Now, another thing is that a talk show doesn't require that much to get up and running. Like if you're a creator right now and you're like, should I make a talk show? You could probably do it by next week. Because you come up with a concept to talk about. Either you have a co-host or you have a guest on. 
you talk to them. You could do it remotely. You could do it in person. Mm -hmm. You could leave it long, like an hour, if you're talking about interesting stuff. If you're good at conversation, it's not that hard to, to spin this up. The editing is also not crazy if you just leave it long. It's just like, cool. Let's have a conversation. Let's put it up. Leaving the episodes long is actually in your best interest for multiple reasons as a creator. The first is that on YouTube, long form is rewarded for the algorithm. The second thing is that when you are making a long form video as a creator, anyone in the audience who's interested in taking part and sitting for that 15 to 20 minutes is going to have the opportunity to get to know you as a creator far better than a short TikTok. So from the creator's perspective, I would say this style of content allows me to be my absolute most authentic self. Like I'm just sitting here talking to you. You're telling me this is the real you. This is the real me. You're getting the real me. And I think when you're, in, <laughs> and I think as an audience member, you feel like you're in the room with them. If you're listening on your headphones and, and you're listening to the audio version, you have creators or a creator in your ear for let's say 25 to 45 minutes on a weekly basis, that's pretty significant. There's some people who don't talk to their parents for that long in a week. And something that we put in the published press was it's a deeper connection. For Dixie, who was previously doing, you know, 15 to, to 60 seconds on TikTok, it's kind of tough to build a very deep connection with an audience like that. It's a lot different when she's available for 20 minutes, you're getting her personality, she's having conversation, she's reacting to what people are saying. You can actually build depth with a creator like that. The talk show format, outside of being sustainable and, and relatively easy to, to spin up, it also allows for the depth of connection between you and your audience. And we've seen a lot of creators already utilize this to their advantage, whether it's Dixie D'Amelio, you know, converting followers on TikTok to really true diehard fans on YouTube, or someone like Logan Paul, who rehabilitated his entire brand image via Impulsive, via putting out tons of conversation. Mm-hmm rehabilitating his brand through exposure over time and through quantity of content that was put out. Yeah, and and feeling like you're getting a more realistic version of it. And maybe he is playing it up for the camera a bit, but like it's pretty hard to do that for an hour and a half twice a week. You feel like you are getting a more real down-to-earth version of him and you can make a judgment call then if you feel like, you know, you, you like him or not. And clearly with the success of his show, people like it. And some of the little moments that have been clipped out that have right. traveled really far online and have resonated with a lot of people, whether it's during uh, the BLM mm -hmm. movement or the conversation around Harry Styles and masculinity. Right. So I think also when you think about someone who's not only trying to rehabilitate their image, but potentially someone who's trying to reinvent their image, Harry Jowsey is another person right now who was on, uh, what was the show called? Too, Too Hot, Hot to, to Handle. Handle. Woo. Great show. Uh, he was on Too Hot to Handle. And from there, like kind of hard to, to break out of that and be like, how do you, how do you build the brand of Harry now? Like that's, that's more whatever brand he wants to have control over. And he's now shifted to a talk show format. I think we're just going to see it more and more. Now, another thing is as a creator on YouTube, the thing that you're really trying to get to is collaborations, right? Collaborations help grow your, your audience. Big time. I mean, let's just look back at our interview with Mr. Beast last month. Pretty serious, right? When you, when you do a collaboration, you are able to reach out to that audience. And um, podcasts and talk shows are just native to collaboration. That's how they work. And you're not asking that much right. of the guest. As we saw with Dave Portnoy and Dixie, sometimes it's just an easy exchange of, yeah, I'll do your show. You do my show. You do my show. And all I'm asking you to do is be yourself. Don't yeah. prep anything. You don't have to prep. I'll ask you questions. 
If you're comfortable in this format, cool. We'll do it for an hour. So then another reason why this format has taken over YouTube is because it's not new to YouTube necessarily. It's a format that is not novel. It's very much understood because of late night. Yeah. And I actually think that strategy works really well. When you're a creator, you as the creator are novel. You don't have to do things that are novel. By you doing the thing, it is novel. So you as a creator doing a late night show, that has now become this whole new product that audiences love. But the late night show is actually a format that's, that people accept, that's you know tested, that has a model to it. Just inject yourself into it and now it works. And I think if you look at YouTube, you just start to look at the trending page over the past two years and it's probably like crazy how much late night has showed up there and the growth of the late night channels. And so it's like, cool, that's the format that works on YouTube. We see this all the time too, where YouTube creators will... Uh, sort of take inspiration from a traditional TV format, disrupt right. it, and put it on YouTube. Whether it's Biggest Loser that then shows up as a you know weight loss challenge personal right. transformation video on YouTube, or Survivor, Mr. Beast will sort of adapt that, mm-hmm. and he's got people on an island. Even Beast is doing game shows, right? He has put a creative twist on them, but some of the formats he's doing, we've seen before in game shows. What I do really like is that she's able to have musicians on the show, mm. and she herself is a musician. So it is becoming an incredible promotional tool for her and the musicians that she chooses to have on. Totally. I mean, imagine at the end of one of her shows, she debuts a song and she just gets up and starts singing it just like late night. Which is something yeah. they do, yeah, yeah, on late night. So she can just do it on her own show, yeah. which is really interesting. There's this fascinating relationship with musicians and YouTube in general. Mm-hmm. I was looking at Benny Blanco's YouTube channel. Yeah, I watched it with the cooking show. He's had multiple yeah. different types of cooking shows. Yeah. This guy has a YouTube channel with 1.2 million subscribers, primarily based off of his music, his Mm -hmm. music videos. Mm -hmm. But he's sitting on a distribution platform where if he wants to have a cooking show, he can have it right away. Yep. And the cooking show then helps build his music library. So also with music promo and social media, the the second story in the published press last week was actually about Billie Eilish and her TikTok strategy. I'm not going to tell you all about it, but if you're interested in this world, published press is for you. Okay, so why does all of this matter? What does it mean for creators? All right, I'm going to read our take from the published press. So our take here is that creator talk shows on YouTube represent the merging of traditional late night TV format with the audience's growing appetite for long form conversations via podcast. Expect YouTube to enter the race with Spotify, Apple, and Patreon to court audio creators with paid subscriptions and new monetization tools. So the reason why we talked about this. One thing that really stuck out to me was that Spotify released charts recently. And if you look at that chart, the amount of creators that are in the top hundred is, is I I thought it was astonishing. Emma Chamberlain's in there. Mm -hmm. Impulsive is in there. And so you just start to realize like, oh, creators are dominating the audio format. And when they bring video to it, it's like, it's a two in one. I think what you realize is that audiences are interested in getting more unfiltered access to their favorite creators. And platforms like Patreon, Spotify, and now Apple are looking to allow creators to monetize their fans who want that type of content. And if access is the product, like if I want access to more content, more of you, you know, more of, of this show, it's, it's ripe for subscription. And, 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 and YouTube with, is the home for a lot of this right. content, right? Especially in terms of these creator-driven talk shows. However, YouTube is not capitalizing on that really passionate audience outside of the AdSense. Yeah, I mean, who wins here? Like when Spotify picks up Joe Rogan for $100 million, could YouTube have done that and kept the show on YouTube? Or is like 
and forged a new frontier of what right. it looks like to have a video podcast. Right. That maybe there's a button that lets you then just listen via sure. audio. I guess YouTube yeah. Premium kind of will let you kind listen of. while the phone is closed. But, but I guess the question is, um, is YouTube scared of unfiltered creators? Like, is the talk show format scare YouTube? And does YouTube not want to go necessarily heavy into audio? It's possible, but even the video component of it is is interesting. For me, if there's a video option to a talk show, I'm watching the video option. I think there's great nuances there and like facial expressions and it's fun to uh, to, to engage like that. I don't know, it'd be interesting to hear from from all of you guys if you think like this talk show format and and podcasting, how does YouTube interact with this? Like, what do they do? And, and as, an, as audiences, are you all and are we all moving in a direction where YouTube is primarily talk shows. Like, is that the most sustainable version of a creator's career over the long term? So what we're seeing is this merger between audio content and video content. It's this new format. It's not quite a podcast. It's not quite a show. It's a video podcast. And people are consuming it in a variety of ways. Maybe some people just want the RSS feed like you can do with our show, mm-hmm. or they want to actually sit and watch the entire video. And because it's relatively scalable, it's something that can be made quite a bit, you can offer audiences additional access. Like Cody Co and Noel Miller with Tiny Meat Gang on Patreon, you get an extra show every week. And that's something they can commit to. It's a sustainable strategy. And audiences clearly are willing to pay for that. Yeah, it's the most sustainable long-form show you can make that also drives the relationship between a creator and a subscriber. So I think our prediction and the thing that we've been talking about so much is that the platforms are going to react to this. YouTube has to react to this in some way. Otherwise, all these shows are going to move to Patreon, potentially Spotify with their new monetization offerings. And like, do, do these leave YouTube or does YouTube figure out a way to help the monetization of these talk shows? I feel like YouTube is definitely going to step in. And that's what we say in our take in the published press. And this is something we saw as well from Jen Lee, who we've had on the show before when we were talking about NFTs. She put out a tweet that says, honestly surprised that YouTube doesn't have a podcast product yet. Basically, when publishing a video podcast, you can toggle a setting that allows it to also be audio only and playable on YouTube podcasts. I agree. And that heavily inspired our take for this issue of the published press because it really got us thinking about how many of these creator talk shows are taking off on YouTube, how much creators love them, audiences love them. It just seems like if YouTube doesn't act, they will miss out on this opportunity to platforms like Spotify, Apple, and Patreon. So that's it this week for this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Again, this topic was featured in our Creator Economy newsletter, The Publish Press, and it was alongside two other stories. We also talked about Billie Eilish and her strategy on TikTok to promote her new album, as well as covered Jeff Wittick and his entrance into Patreon and what that means for the future of pay-per-view content. So if these are stories that you would be interested in receiving in your inbox every Tuesday and Friday, make sure to click the link in the description and sign up for the published press. Don't hold back. Reply. Let us know what you think about it because we're putting a lot of work into this. Our writers are putting a lot of work into it. We're really excited about it, but we want to make it as good as it can possibly be. And remember to like this video and subscribe to the channel because Colin will be giving one of you $1,000. A random subscriber will get $1,000 at the end of this month. So make sure you're subscribed. All right. Me or what? Me personally. I will be giving. (laughs) 